So this evening, the observance night and the uh, opportunity to reflect, contemplate the here and now, the the Dhamma, the truth of the way it is. <clears throat> and so this is is very simple, but uh, <clears throat> because all you have to do is open your mind, be aware. But then you tend to think you're all kinds of things, very complicated issues and memories and emotions and so we are, we are very complicated personalities. And uh, Arahant is someone who's not complicated at all. <coughs> so I think that word Arahant is term, poly term for fully enlightened human being, which is either no longer any complications or any delusion. And so the delusions uh, is the conditioning, the not realizing, not seeing the truth we operate from habits. And we uh, live our lives according to our habits, views, opinions, our attachment to identities of various kinds, memories, ideals. So the, this attachment is two conditioned phenomena. This is what the Buddha is pointing out. Is that the cause of suffering then is this ignorance and the attachment, blind ignorance attaching to the conditioned realm without any kind of awareness, just merely helpless victims of habits, thoughts, views, opinions. So we can see the society we live in is very much, uh, you know, ignorant everywhere you go. Avicca is, is very much the obvious way that people live their lives. Uh, the awakened human individual is rare. <clears throat> and so you, you hear the news or read the newspapers or whatever and then you see the the wars, the confusion, the resentments, the endless economic, social problems, political problems of the world, they go on and on endlessly because of avicca, ignorance, not knowing the Dhamma. And so that's why the world is the way it is right now. It's, it's uh, it's rather people tend to be quite cynical and pessimistic these days 
Because we see, you know, just uh, um, in my lifetime alone, it's recognizing how many years have gone by and, and kind of hope and idealism of youth being disappointed and disillusioned as I got older and uh, eventually, you know, becoming a, a Buddhist monk in order to get to the, you know, the, I found it a way that I had an interest in in monastic life and then to uh, a way of living in which I could spend my time going to the source of suffering, the causes of suffering, to see the end of suffering. So that is, uh, to me, the, the purpose of monastic life, of Buddhist monasticism, is to, is to explore and investigate until we see for ourselves, because, uh, you know, the more I, you know, I can't, it's not a matter of converting you or convincing you of anything about being Buddhist, but of encouraging and pointing at the here and now. So, you know, saying, be aware here and now. You've heard that, it's a kind of hackneyed, cliched way of speaking. And, you know, that it's quite common to hear it all the time. But then you apply that, what do you mean? Here and now, time is here. The place is here, the time is now. And then you try to figure it out and you'll just get caught into, you just get confused with your own thinking process. So the thinking itself is, you can't think your way to enlightenment. You can only be enlightened. It's a sort of imminent, awakened, conscious awareness in the present moment. So say in, in monastic life, say being monks or nuns, samanas, is a way to, you know, it's, a, it, its purpose is to live with little, to be content with little. Because if we're not content, then we tend to spend our lives always wanting things that we don't have or not wanting things to be the way they are. We can see here uh, many of the problems of the song are always wanting something, not wanting it to be the way it is and wanting it to become something that we would would like it to be. Or, and there's our, you know, whether you're a lay person or a monastic, this is common human tendency, always wanting, desiring, so you get that feeling of just the desire, dunha, wanting something or not wanting. So these two, two words, that, that feeling, that energy of wanting something, being discontented with the way it is, the way you are or the way the sangha is or the way the monastery is or the world, not wanting it to be like this is like this. So what I'm doing now is just pointing. This is a pointing. Vipavadana, desire, not wanting something to be the way it is, is like this. And whether you, you know it's yourself, not wanting to be the way you are, or 
the Sangha or the monastery or the tradition or the senior members or the monks or the nuns or the lay people, the society, whatever, is like this. So it's not trying to make yourself content. And then you attach the ideal of being content with what you have, which is a, is an ideal. But you you know then you're trying to play a role of contentment, trying to make yourself uh, act like you're content when you're not really aware of the discontentment, the desiring to be content when you're not. So discontentment is like this. So when I do this, then I just, I'm aware that this sense of embracing, allowing this feeling of discontentment is like this. I'm not, I'm, I'm not thinking about it or trying to find anything, just noticing awakened consciousness here and now is like this. This feeling of not wanting something to be the way it is is like this. Now when I do that and really get in touch with that feeling of not wanting something to be the way it is, I can see, it, you know, I'm aware of it, I'm accepting it, I'm not trying to do anything about it, just merely recognizing or admitting it. Because, say, for much of my life I didn't, you know, I believed it. If I thought something was wrong or didn't want things to be the way they are, didn't want to be the way I am, then I was always trying to change, trying to get rid of something or suppress something or ignore something or blame somebody. But in this, this kind of practice, mindfulness practice, get to know this discontentment is like this. This feeling ill at ease, unhappy, uh, uncertain, insecure is like this. So then you, you, you know, you, it's a way of noticing, of recognizing and that's, of course, conditioning. That's not ultimate reality. Discontentment is not the ultimate truth. But it's a common enough kind of experience for us that we need to recognize it. You know, an encouragement is to recognize it's like this. Or wanting something, wanting to get something, uh, wanting to attain and achieve, wanting to progress and make things better. It's like this, the desire for becoming, trying to get somewhere in my practice. You hear it all the time, people saying, I've, I'm tr I've got to practice more in order to attain, achieve, get samadhi, get jhanas, get stages, get somewhere in my practice. And so the, 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 then this feeling of wanting to get something, you know, trying to get something, 
and being discontented with the way, with the feeling, you know, I, I haven't gotten anywhere, is like this, and then wanting to get something I don't have yet, is like this. So this, this, is, this is very direct, pointing and recognizing Bawa dhanha vipa dhanha. So this uh, this is where you know this pointing at what awareness is, mindfulness, sati sampachanya, sati panya. Heedfulness, apamado, heed, being heedful, attentive, attention. It's as simple as that. It's like attention, paying attention, listening, being open and receptive. So that the more you you practice this, you get to, get to recognize it. So you 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 value this sense of recept receptivity, openness, rather than when you're caught in the bhavadana trying to get samadhi, get somewhere in your practice, get rid of all your defilements, you're, you're, you're going around in circles all the time. Because you're, you're using avicca as your basis, ignorance, and the belief that you're somebody who who's unenlightened, who's got to get something you don't have yet, that you call enlightenment, and you shouldn't have the thoughts and feelings that you have, you've got to, to become better, purer, more disciplined, and all the rest, you know, always self-criticism, I would think of how, to weigh, how much I could improve myself. Being American, you we're brought up on self-improvement, the ideal of, of a continuous self-improvement. I don't remember ever anybody, American, ever being content with themselves. It's always like, there's always room for improvement. And anybody who says, I'm perfect the way I am, you wouldn't trust at all. You're a megalomaniac, crazy. <clears throat> So it's not about thinking I'm perfect the way I am. That's not, that's not it. Nor is it believing that I'm imperfect the way I am and that I've got to do something in order to become perfect. So this is all thinking, isn't it? This is language, thoughts, attitudes, the ego, the sakaya ditti. Uh, as first fetter, I keep emphasizing, because this is the big obstruction that we have. Let's face it, this is Sakaya Ditti. Is, uh, you know, the ego or the personality view. It's an acquired sense of self as you're identified with conditioned phenomena. So you're, you know, you're, you're, I'm this physical being. I'm, I'm, uh, will be 74 years old, complete, in a couple of days. Now what is that? You know, is that, you know, that can be merely a statement of fact, 
you know, on a conventional level, fair enough. It's not wrong or anything. But also there's a recognition of it. It's merely a thought, a perception. You know, I'm going, I will be 74 in uh, the day after tomorrow. Is a perception. Uh, take that apart, say I, uh, Ajahn Tomato, or Robert Jackman, because I, that was the name I had before I became Ajahn Tomato. But when I was born, I didn't have any name. So, my mother and father, they gave me the name Robert Jackman. That was their choice, and I chose, uh, in my upachaya, my preceptor chose uh, Sumato. And so these are conventions. But one can operate from these conventions, you know, never question, never see beyond them, but merely operating from, I'm 74-year-old man, American, or British, or I'm beyond nationality. <laughs> I'm free from the. <laughs> it's still Sakyaditi, isn't it? <clears throat> Sakyaditi is is the believing. It's the commitment to these perceptions as our reality. I'm 74 years old. Is fair enough thought? You know, it's a perception, conventional, what we call conventional reality. And that's the way we talk and, and ex, you know, exchange views and, and uh, relate to each other on a worldly level. That's worldly dhamma. That's uh, uh, samuti satya, they call it in Pali, or conventional truth. So it's not a lie. But the change from conventional truth, from samut, to Paramatta Sajja is through awakening to that. I'm 74 year old is, you know, is seeing it as what it is. It is a thought, isn't it? It's a convention. The pronoun I is a convention. Or if it's Sakyaditi, then it, I, you know, I'm really this body. This is my body and I am a 74-year-old man. And, you know, that's old now. That's an old man. I'm an old man. Nobody loves you when you're old and gray. Bald. Wrinkled. Sagging and fat and all the rest. You're no longer attractive, lovable. They're just waiting to die. <laughs> well, that's Sakyaditi, isn't it? That's because that's a, that's a, a sense of oneself is identified with the physical body. Or switching on to Paramatta Sajja, ultimate reality is awareness of that. It is a condition, it arises and ceases. Sakyaditi, the sense of I am the body, uh, arises when, uh, when somebody asks, how old are you? Or 
things like this, and then the then the then the second then the sense of I am seventy four arises. Generally speaking, I don't think about it. You know, when the con this is like it's a budget uh, conditions for this perception arise, and this perception arises, and that awareness of that perception, that awareness is the Baramata Sajja. That's the way to Baramata, to seeing things in terms of Dhamma, to seeing, to knowing ultimate reality, being ultimately real reality, rather than the conventional uh, realities, which can be, you know, some are good, some aren't very good at all. Conventional reality can be full of foolish ideas and ideals and perceptions that some of it's quite good and skillful and some of it's neither one nor the other. Because conditioned phenomena has, a, has different, you know, it, it can be good, bad, right, wrong, indifferent, neither good nor bad, neither true nor false, neither nor, either or, absolutely horrible or absolutely fantastic, that's, uh, th that's language. It goes into superlatives. You know, so you, absolutely fantastic is the superlative. And that's a thought, but in terms of, and the awareness of that as a thought, is that's what, that's, that's the pointing. Awareness is this. The thought is like this. The thinking, just the thought, absolutely fantastic, is like this. Then that which is aware of the thought is not a thought, is it? It's, 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 you know, it's not something you create. It's not dependent on language. <coughs> But it is conscious, intelligent discernment. So you're discerning the thinking process, not criticizing it, not making value judgments about how skillful your thoughts are or how unskillful they are. Then you're back into thinking again, whether you're thinking right or wrong or you're thinking uh, in a true way or a false way. These are value judgments. Now notice that the thinking process is all about value judgments, about right and wrong, good and bad, true and false, the best and the worst. Now how do you get outside the thinking process? How can you be free from that? It's such a strong habit, such a compulsive habit in identity. And then trying to think about not thinking or letting go of thinking is still thinking, isn't it? It's not, not about reasoning or figuring out, but recognizing. So this is what sati sampatanya allows, these two words, Pali words. Mindfulness and comprehension, discernment is like this. So you recognize it. It's, it, it's real. It's not, it's not, I'm not creating it. I'm not creating sati sampachanya. It's not like jhanas or anything special, you know. It's not 
absorbing into refined conditions, it's a natural state, pure natural consciousness, awareness that we may not notice. We may never notice. We may have to go through 84,000 more lifetimes before we notice. So what I'm encouraging you to do is do it now rather than putting it off 84,000 more lifetimes. Sounds pretty ho horrible. <laughs> Unless you're particularly fond of being, being a condition. Now condition phenomena then is all about birth and death arising and ceasing. And so that which is aware of condition, like the d desire to, uh, these different kinds of desire, desi desire to get rid of something, desire for something to be, uh, to change, not wanting it to be the way it is, it's like this. So that's not a desire, is it? It's n I'm not desiring to, de to know desire the natural, just noticing, is very clearly stated in Second Noble Truth. Kama dana, power dana, dana. The grasping of these desires is the cause of suffering. Now, then I look at this, when I find myself suffering, I'm caught up in something, wanting something, not wanting something. What, what is the desire, you know? Not wanting to feel the way I'm feeling, not wanting somebody to be the way they are, not wanting the world to be like this, wanting it to be, wanting something uh, to be, to, f to become better, to progress, to develop, wanting to achieve and attain, wanting communal harmony. And we all kind of whinge about, why can't we all get along and help each other towards enlightenment? the monks and the nuns working together towards communal harmony, supporting each other toward the goal of Nibbana. Why can't we be like this? And the, that's what, it's a very nice ideal. <clears throat> but it is an ideal, you know, it's, it's uh, nothing wrong with it, but recognize an ideal is, is, is that way. But this is the way it is. We are, each one of us is working through our own peculiar karma. So we're not ideal monks or nuns, you know, being able to totally let go of any selfish intentions or views and opinions or emotional habits and, and just helping, supporting, totally unselfish, giving ourselves for the welfare of the community and content, <laughs> and totally content with our four requisites, never complaining and and always feeling compassion and love for everyone. That, that's ideal. But this is, this is, the, this is what, I, what I'm feeling right now, is like this. And so this is uh, the result of, you know, being, a, this, uh, have, being born, having a body, being 74 years old, being a monk, being a male, and so forth, and, 
this is the result, you know, this, you feel like this. Now that which is aware of the feeling is not, the fe is not a feeling. That which is aware of desire is not desire. That which is aware is not a self, not a condition, not something created out of ignorance, but it's real. It's not a kind of precious state that, that uh, is easily lost. It's, it's a natural state that we may, that we may never recognize if we're totally committed to our delusions. So that Sakaya Ditti is a delusion. It's a, this uh, unquestioned belief that I am this person, this body, these conditions. And what I feel is really important. My feelings, my sensitivity, my views, my opinions, my thoughts, my life. What was going on in your mind? <laughs> so this is why I keep saying this over and over because it, it is, uh, it, we need to keep hearing it to be encouraged. Because the world will not do this for you. You know, the encouragement of the world is always of trying to get something or change something or progress or develop or get rid of things, control things. All kinds of shoulds, you should be and you shouldn't be like this. And, and the world will, the world is about conditioned phenomena. It's based on ignorance. It's born out of a vicha, and and we commit ourselves to the world. Then, then we suffer from that world, because that world is unsatisfactory. It's not real. It's a delusion, and we but we believe in it. We believe all our emotional feelings, my sensitivity, my feelings, my thoughts, my emotions. Myself is so real, so important, so fraught, so powerful. So that's why this awareness of that is like this. So then, in in the ref now this developing this uh, sound of silence, this nada practice, this recognizing this kind of energetic whatever it is background is uh, how, what I've used to to recognize emptiness consciousness is like this non-attachment is like this where, where I can actually see desire and not that I don't have any desires, or I'm beyond desire, but desire is 
arise and ceases according to condition. That which is aware of the desire. I mean, I, I hear the sound of silence. I notice I'm fully attentive to a feeling of dis-ease, unhappiness, boredom, complaining, resisting, whatever. Or feelings about myself, feeling I've got to do something, I've got to get something I don't have, got to control something, got to prove something. This is, we all, you know, monastic life, you can, it can be a challenge of, I've got to prove that I can do it, that I can be celibate, that I can uh, develop spiritual qualities, that I can get stages and achieve states and have psychic powers and all the rest. There's all, you know, one can create a whole sense of, of goals to attain in uh, Buddhist monasticism. But that which is aware of that is not an attainment, it's, it's natural attention. So recognizing it is not an attainment, I'm not claiming this is some kind of personal attainment, you know, that I've attained anything by, it's a natural state, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's nothing special. It's just, before I never really noticed it. Not before I started recognizing, before meditation had any effect, I was always operating from bhavadana vipavadana. <coughs> so this is. This is a way to, to investigate, to know. Sakaya Ditti. Personality. It's a, it's a conditioned sense of I'm this person, this, this is my body, this is my, these are my memories, my life, my feelings. It's all this sense of me and mine, claiming it, claiming the conditions you're experiencing judging them, va making value judgments about yourself as a person, whether you're good enough or not good enough or capable or incapable or responsible or not or attractive, lovable or not or whatever, you know, this all, this is the, the worldly conditioning of the mind. So then in the, when we start from the conditioned realm and we don't recognize it, then you could spend the rest of your life as a Buddhist samana and still miss the point, claiming I am a Buddhist monk or something like this, you know, identifying with the Buddhism, grasping Theravada Buddhism, grasping the teachings, without seeing what you're doing, even though the teachings themselves are, are, you know, encouraging us not to do that. If you're going to grasp things, it's probably better to grasp Buddhism than other things. 
because at least on a worldly level, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a good teaching, intelligent, and encourages us to, to live a good life. So that's to be praised. Donna Sila, isn't it? The morality is good. To do good and refrain from doing bad. This is, this is encouraged on a worldly level for worldly happiness, for worldly uh, sense of self-worth, developing a sense of self-respect, being generous, not being stingy and mean and selfish and uh, being generous. Donna and Sila, being responsible for what you do, how you act in the society, in, with your families, in the community, towards yourself towards the world. So, do good, refrain from doing the bad. But the Sakya Ditti, you see then, even though I say all of us want to be good and we don't want to be bad, you know, I, I don't want to be bad, never have, but I, but also, I've certainly been bad so this is, this is, uh, you know, I've said things I regret and done things I regret in the past. And that's a memory, isn't it? So Sakya Ditti then is, is wanting to be good, uh, or even if it can be wanting to be bad. Maybe you're just a psychopath and just, and a kind of mean-hearted miser that loves to get everything for yourself and persecute and harm others. <clears throat> but I don't think any of us here are like that. They don't usually hang out in monasteries, people of that nature. So, <laughs> take it for granted. We all want to be good and we don't want to be bad. So this is, this is about the conditioned world and being good you know, then when we do, when we don't, aren't awake, and then we feel guilty when we have bad thoughts, don't we? We want to be good. I want to be magnanimous and kind, and, and yet thoughts will arise where I feel mean and selfish, hard-hearted, want to seek revenge, things like this, and then I can feel guilty about that. I want to be, I'm a celibate. I want to have pure, pure mind, not caught up with sexual uh, images or desires. And so when, when those kind of uh, images arise, then I can feel guilty. I'm not a good monk because I have uh, sexual images, fantasies in my mind. This is bad. I'm bad. I shouldn't have this because I, sh if a good monk should have only thoughts of of compassion and with uh, it do not imply any kind of sexual uh, sexual interest. <laughs> so then you you can feel guilty, and that's sakya ditti, isn't it? But the awareness of sakya ditti, wanting to be good, feeling guilty about having uh, bad thoughts. Feeling guilty about feeling angry, 
or jealous or frightened or self selfish, feeling guilty about uh, you know the the thoughts, the emotions that you're experiencing is like this. So examine that sense of I'm not good and I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't think these thoughts. I shouldn't have these desires. I shouldn't be like this. And, and then, then the idea of I should be, as a monk, I should be pure of heart, unselfish, full of compassion, loving kindness. So uh, this, is, this is what language does and it defines, it describes, it evaluates. It says how things should be and shouldn't be and how good or bad you are. Now that is all due to attachment to thinking, the critical function of the mind. That which is aware of the thinking is not a thought, is it? That's why thinking about awareness gets you nowhere. Trying to figure out what awareness or mindfulness is. You know, most of us have struggled with trying to define consciousness, mindfulness, awareness. Satisampatanya. What does the Pali Dictionary say? What does this Ajahn say? What does that Ajahn say? What do they say in the Sanskrit? tradition or Pali or whatever. <clears throat> but this is not about defining, it's recognizing. You don't have to define or figure out consciousness because you're experiencing it right now. It's consciousness. Even if you're totally deluded at this very moment, in a state of total delusion and madness, you're still there's still conscious. But then, say, you're attached to the conditions, the crazy conditions. So you're not aware of consciousness. You're merely uh, operating with your, your habit tendencies, you know, trying to get rid of these crazy thoughts or believing them totally and following them or whatever. And that's where this awareness of that, this emphasizing, awakening to the thinking process. It's not in stopping thinking or rejecting thinking, it's recognizing. So you can, uh, you, you're aware, you're thinking. Thinking is like this. And that awareness is not a thought. And the more you kind of affirm this, so you can keep informing yourself because there's so, there's so much of our life that's been totally committed to these delusions. So the delusions easily take, uh, take us over, you know, and, and because that's what we're used to. Even if they're horrible delusions, at least we're used to them. And so they do have a lot of, you know, power to take us over you know, to, to hook us and bind us to the, these delusions till you're more confident trusting yourself in just awareness of it. 
awareness, sati samajanya, is just this. This listening, receptive attention, conscious comprehension, apprehension, apperception. These, these kind of words convey this sense of open attention, wide like this, not, not shutting anything out, but allowing, and then noticing, you know, like if you're this feeling uh, unhappy or discontented, you, you're noticing, you, it's like this. It's not blaming it on yourself or some, something, somebody else, but it's recognizing. Being patient with it, allowing discontentment to be what it is, or bad thoughts, or or whatever, to to recognize them without judging them as bad. They, they're like this. These are the thoughts or the feelings. They're like this. So it's a it's a humbling, patient willingness to allow the conditions to be what they are. And then in terms of action and speech, do, do the, act on the generous, kind ones and don't act on the mean, nasty ones. But they're all teaching you. The mean, the nasty, the selfish, the evil, the mad, the crazy, the elation, depression, the good, the an angels, the devils, Everything's teaching you. All conditions teach you about condition, phenomena. It teaches you that one thing is all, all conditions are impermanent. So faith and karani all conditions are impermanent. It's, that's what all conditions will teach you. If you're willing to, to notice and bear them, you know, with the, with the, Unpleasant, the discontentment, the unhappiness, the boredom, the disillusionment, uh, the guilt, the sense of being unworthy, uh, whatever. Be patient with it. It's not judging it. It's just allowing it to be what it is. And then your, your relationship to it is one of com com comprehending its nature is impermanent. And it's not so. Because it ceases. You, you can allow things to be what they are because they, they cease. And when, when a condition ceases, there's still consciousness. There's still a, there's awareness. Sati Sampachanya doesn't, the condition has ceased, but there's this connected awareness. Consciousness, this stream, this flow, this background in which the conditions arise and cease according to other conditions. Now this is like in the Four Noble Truths, this is investigation. Just keep keep hammering away at it till you till you get till you get it. No matter what's happening to you. Physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever, it doesn't we're not none of the conditions are obstructions to enlightenment. Mm -hmm. 
unless you grasp, you believe in them. And then the, then the condition itself is not instruction, it's your ignorance. Your total commitment to a delusion is the, is the sakaya ditti that is a fetter to, the, to seeing the middle way, seeing the Dhamma. And so, you know, you, you can, don't, you know, even despair, and no matter how many times you fail at this or get carried away, it's all right. I'm not asking you to, to get it and never, never lose it, but to, you know, have that determination to keep using the way it is whatever way it is for you at this very moment. Till eventually, like, it's, 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 it begins to really sink in. You know, you really, you have flashes of understanding and insight and then easily fall back into, into all the fears and doubts and emotional things that get stirred up in the in the conditioned realm, but the more you you're willing to to use the your your own karmic experience for the path, the way you are, the way you're experiencing the world, and whether it's you know how pleasant or unpleasant or good or bad it is, it's what you're learning about condition phenomena. That which is aware of a condition is not a condition. The awareness is not a condition out of ignorance. It's like uh, switching on a, a light, like a floodlight. You're seeing things in perspective. It's consciousness. Consciousness is light, isn't it? It's even in a dark room, where there's no lights, there's still consciousness. Light, consciousness, panya, wisdom, discernment. These are natural. These are not personal. Not sakyaditi. Not based on conditions being a certain way, ranging all the conditions so you feel this way. This is whatever way you're feeling, whatever conditions, praise or blame, good health, bad health, success, failure, whatever, is these are seen in terms of Dhamma. All conditions are impermanent. So that, that phrase, the faith, Sankara, Nita, the kind of, is not something to grasp, not a, a belief system. It's, it's an encouragement to keep investigating, keep noticing the way you're feeling, the thoughts, emotions, physical sensations, sensual uh, impingements, memories, emotions that arise in, uh, in your consciousness and wherever, whatever 
place you're in is like this. Now when I do this, I'm resting in this sound of silence gives me a space, a wide spectrum to accept especially conditions I don't like that I maybe spent my life trying to get rid of, resist or run away from. I found this in <clears throat> as you get old, like like I am, Samut such of course. You know, you go through periods of of uh, you know in monastic life, it can get very boring. You can become very disillusioned with it. Uh, you know, after the inspiration and kind of um, momentum. Of, of the life kind of wears thin and you see uh, you know things you don't like about it irritating ways that people act and and not like this uh, the convention can you know we can feel irritated or frustrated by it bored boredom or lonely loneliness being celibate, isn't it? You get lonely being a celibate. And so these are uh, a way of reflecting. You know, this is, these are not the more exciting states, but they're, they're very human, very common. And, and that's where, if you see them as, and put them in that perspective, feeling bored or negative or depressed or fed up with things or full of doubt and uncertainty. It's like this. Loneliness. Feeling lonely is like this. And that which is aware of loneliness or aware of boredom or despair or just feeling irritated and frustrated by monks and nuns and Buddhist conventions is like this. Now then, it, you know, you, if you're willing to use everything that happens to you for, then it's cultivating the path the middle way. It's, you know, it's a here and now practice. It's not like you have to get through the first, then the second, then the third noble truth to get to the path. That's, a, that's the limitation of, of language, isn't it? Of having four noble truths and, and, uh, and the way, you know, the, the structure of one to four and so forth. That's thinking again, that's conceptual. But the path itself, Samaditi Samasangapo and onward, the Eightfold Path, is about being aware. And aware of the way it is, and, and in the way that you're particularly experiencing it, here and now. All conditions are impermanent. You know, so boredom is not ultimately true. Being irritated and frustrated is, is not the ultimate reality. Loneliness is not the ultimate reality. 
doubting, being uncertain, is not ultimate reality. And it can be observed. So not being uncertain and doubtful and confused is like this. Being feeling lonely is like this. Or feeling fed up is like this. Feeling despair is like this. Feeling negative towards the Sangha is like this. Feeling critical of the Theravada Buddhism is like this. Is you know, so your everything is the path then. You're cultivating or bhavana, developing the the path of samaditi. Right understanding, perfect understanding. All conditions are impermanent. The face uh Tamanata, all Dhamma is not self. This is not personal, it's not a self, this awareness. It's like unitive, it's universal. It's not, I can't, you know, if I claim it as some attainment, then you know I've lost it. I'm attaching to Sakyaditi again. That's why there's nothing to attain. You know, this is where Buddhism is such a, a kind of uh, enigmatic convention. The, interesting, yesterday I went to Lambeth Palace, you know, they were invited to this London day where all these bishops from all over the world, Anglican bishops, assembled. Uh, and they're having the, the, you know, every 10 years they have Lambeth Conference. And this is and so this is taking place in in Canterbury, but they came into Lambeth Palace for this special day yesterday. So then there's all kinds of problems in the Anglican Church right now, and then most and so many of the bishops, you know, you walk into the courtyard of Lambeth Palace, and there are all these purple uh, cassocks, all these bishops from Africa and India, all over the world, you know walking around, their wives, and, uh, you know, having serious discussions about homosexuality and women priests and issues and things like this that are caught up into the consciousness of the Anglican communion at this time. And then the media loves to, to play on this, on the sensationalism of, of, of these subjects. And these are issues and, and causes of great feeling and emotion and strife and, and division. Like a lot of, the, a lot of uh, African bishops wouldn't even come to the, to, uh, to the conference. They're having a separate conference in Jerusalem now because they couldn't agree with the Archbishop of Canterbury or whatever. So there's this division taking place and, and all these kind of high-powered bishops, you know, walk into a courtyard full of bishops, first time in my life. I've seen so many bishops in one group. <laughs> <laughs> and there are even Roman Catholic bishops and Russian Orthodox bishops. And there, and there was uh, one other Buddhist monk, Venerable 
Bandula from the Chiswick London Buddhist Vihara. We we I really felt out of place there, you know, like the the duck in the group of swans or something. <laughs> <laughs> But I was invited, I wasn't kind of crashing the party. And of course it was all very uh, uh, altruistic because they'd walked from Whitehall across the, to Lambeth in a group, the Anglican, all these bishops and their wives and people interested in this walk, of, you know, for the Millennium Goals, reinforcing the Millennium Goals, which is to eradicate poverty in this millennium, which is very admirable, very good. And Gordon Brown was there, uh, Prime Minister, gave a very powerful talk on getting rid of poverty in the world. Great ideas, getting rid of poverty, I'm all for it. <clears throat> Nobody could disagree on that level. I didn't hear one objection. <laughs> Whatever you think about homosexuality or women priests, everybody had to agree on getting rid of poverty is a good thing. So there is a, a basis of unity on that level, whether you're uh, Christian or Buddhist, whether you're a duck or a swan. I mean, none of us want to see people living in poverty, especially when they put in such emotional terms about all these million children starving to death and, and always about children, you know, and, uh, and these are very highly powerful emotion, emotive perceptions. And yet, you know, how much of the conference is about that things, you know, about views and opinions, about what Africans, black Africans feel about homosexuality and the modern views about it and about what's, what's, uh, what Jesus or Christianity says or what's doctrinal and orthodox and what is just wild uh, idealism or perversion of modern West, and and you can form all kinds of opinions, you know, whatever whatever your conditioning tends to incline to. You, that's what how you see it. So in you know in the, in uh, places like Nigeria and that, they have a different they have a different way of looking at the at things than what they have here in the UK. So I mean it. This is cultural conditioning, isn't it? It's not about right and wrong. It's just different way of looking, different way of thinking, of grasping perceptions. So the, the differences, the conflicts are all about grasping perceptions. And how do you resolve that conflict? You know, they, well, we just have to allow people to break away if they don't, and we have to, you know, and and so people resign themselves or take, you know, we've got to keep the true to the Bible, the way we interpret the Bible and the true Christian teachings, and not let it change and adapt or uh, let these modern ideas of these. Uh, degenerate uh, Europeans influence uh, the purity of our religion and all this can get into very righteous positioning and, uh, and very, you know, even 
zealous and even resort in brutality. Well, get kill off the heretics again, you know, it's get rid of them. They, they're trying to destroy Christianity or whatever. It's easy, you know, the thinking process goes into that very easily, into uh, killing off the evil forces, destroying the, the, the heretics, the infidels. What is all that? That is Sakyaditi, Silabhata Bharamasa, Vichikicha, the first three fetters. Unquestioned, unexamined, <coughs> completely committed to these delusions. So that's why the world is the way it is. Because this, uh, this awakening is rare and the encouragement to awakening is rare. And so this is like the whole point of this monastery, Amravati, is for this awakening. It's not for, you know, converting nice Christians into Buddhists or spreading the word or anything. It's about awakening. It's an it's a opportunity to awaken and investigate Dhamma. So the, the, you know, the aim of such a place is that's how, that's, that's the intention of establishing this, this place called Amravati. Not as some kind of, you know, personal uh, endeavor or just to keep a tradition going or bring Buddhism into the West. All these are, might be very good ideas, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if, I, if, I, if I'm operating only on that level, then, you know, it's, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Because we, we, the problem now is, is the, even the level of ignorance, the idealism of the Western world, it, human rights and all its emphasis on on all these kind of grand ideals of getting rid of poverty in this millennium, of fairness and justice and, and building, uh, you know, ha having all of these altruistic goals for a world, for a society that nobody understands, that nobody recognizes in terms of the reality of it. It's merely operating from my particular view about it, what I would like it to be. So, you see, then, then we get to the point, what, can I make you do this? You know, can I kind of uh, zap you? And, and then you suddenly become enlightened and see everything? Or, what I'm doing is just trying to encourage a point. Because I can't do it for you. I, this I can do. You know, this is something I can actually do in daily life, living here in this, in this monastery, in the, in the conditions that I'm experiencing here and now. This is something within my ability to do, to be awake and aware and use the, the particular karmic tendencies I find I have, you know, the way my personality operates or physical 
conditions, the way they happen to be, and so forth. This is all seeing it in terms of pa, of pawana, of cultivating this path rather than it just operating from ideas and concepts and altruistic, uh, altruistic notions of wanting to help or relieve the world of poverty. Because poverty is the result of ignorance and human ignorance. So even though, you know, I'd, if I had a magic wand and say, no more poverty, I'd do it. I'd be glad to. Completely eradicate poverty in the, on the planet. <laughs> but when I've done that, nothing hasn't changed that much. I've tried. <laughs> And so all the good intentions, you know, they're good. But then what are you, what, what can I do? And I can't even point to you. What can I do at this very moment? You know, that isn't dependent on, on things being cooperative or the world changing in any way that I would like it to be or people understanding or is, is awakening, isn't it? This is something, this is, this is I can actually do this cultivate this and in the in the in and this this particular situation here this is what what we're here for this is why I encourage not trying to institutionalize you into being Theravadan samanas or you know believing in converting to Buddhism as such but to Take the, it's a it's a convention pointing at reality. It's not re real in itself. It is a convention that's always pointing here and now. And so this is this is how to use this convention. The way that you attach to the convention, the way that you believe in it, the way that you identify with it, <coughs> the opinions, the views, the emotional habits you have around it, the aspiration, the inspiration, or the uh, criticism and, and uh, dis disappointment. It's, it's all path cultivating pawana So religion itself is, you know, when we're getting, when when our religious life is is too caught up in in these conventions and views and opinions and thinking, then then we're not using that. Really, I I see all religions as pointers at this reality, at ultimate truth. Now, whether they are or not, I don't really know, but I'm giving all religions the benefit of any doubts I have because 
it's better to to say that than to go around thinking only you can only do it the way I'm doing it, because that sounds too that sounds to me like sakya ditti. That my way is the right way. So, but in in terms of religion, the word itself means it, it actual from the Latin root. It's like a, a, a attaching to some convention, and like a, in order to to ultimate to recognize ultimate truth. It's a it's a convention. All religions are conventional. It's when we start regarding them as as Bharamata Satya that they that they that they become they go wrong, you know, where we we make them into something more than what they are. That's why there can be different religions, because they you know, they're all pointing at the same thing. Now some people would disagree with me. They say they don't like that view. They think well, you know, Christian that's theistic and Buddhism is not theistic. You don't believe in God, therefore totally different. And, and this, is, this, of course, is the thinking mind because, you know, they, 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 the, the, the form is so different, is the opposite of the other. But any convention, if, you, if with awareness, points at ultimate reality. And religion then is, say, it's, you know, is, it's, it's, if it's really a religion, to, it's a convention to use for realizing the truth or union with God or whatever words you use for describing that, you know, whatever way your religious convention works. It's not about quibbling about union with God versus realizing Nibbana is some kind of, there's total difference. What is it? What is the re reality of Nibbana or union with God now? Is it? And this is, this is intuitive. This is not conceptual anymore. This is reality. This is this to be recognized, realized, seen and known. It's not about belief or uh, or forming opinions and views about it. So then we can, you know, we can endlessly quibble about, you know, how many angels can stand on the point of a pin or something. You know, we can argue about all kinds of issues and beliefs and that around the religious conventions, but it's kind of losing it, isn't it? It's, it's uh, making problems around things that aren't meant to be problems. So that's where emphasizing this, like Amravati, see it, not as, a, as a, in terms of, you know, of being anything more than a pointer, a situation for awakening helping us all to pay attention to what we're feeling. It's not trying to make us feel any certain way, but to whatever feelings we have, we're, that's our path, is we're aware of the feeling of liking, disliking, believing, doubting, approving or disapproving is like this.
So this is encouragement, you know, this is, this is what each one of us can do. You know, like it's, it's, you know, they say, what good are Buddhist monks in the society? What are you doing for the society? You know, people ask this. And uh, we meditate. And you just sit there and contemplate your navels, huh? Watch your breath going in and out. What's the point? Good is that to anybody? You know, you should be out there, you know, walking and going on a protest against world poverty. And not just sit there in that, in this temple contemplating your breath or listening to the sound of silence. That's really strange. You go mad, you know, you go crazy, get spaced out, you go. But if you're out there walking, you know, protesting against poverty and corruption, then you'll really, you'll really get working for the welfare of the society. It's, it's, you know, not to dismiss that, I'm not criticizing it, but the Sakyaditi level of it is powerful, isn't it? Or to think that you sitting here watching your breath is not really, you know, you're not really doing much for the welfare of the society or solving the problem of, of poverty. That's Sakyaditi again, isn't it? It's not saying it's wrong, but, but trust yourself to observe this, your own, you know, the sense of, I'm wasting my time, or I should be out there fighting for, for uh, the, to eradicate poverty. And these are, you know, these are, if this is the kind of feelings that you have, they are what they are. And this is this encouragement then tonight is encouraging you to to trust this awareness of it. It's not a it's not a judgment saying you shouldn't and and that you should watch stay here and watch your breath and not go on a walk to eradicate world poverty. It's not about judging one thing better than the other. It's how you use this situation here and now. How mindful how willing you are to observe and be the, be the knowing itself rather than somebody trying to become an enlightened person. So I offer this for your reflection from this evening. <laughs>